It's Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanz in Washington, working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. A new report by the Century says one billion U.S. dollars has disappeared in South Sudan through corrupt deals. So the banks in Kenya and Uganda... They have their own bank records. This was seven years ago. These records still exist. They should be filing suspicious activity reports, and they should be working with investigators and prosecutors to see who profited, where the money is now, and take it back. And a court in the South Sudan's capital, Juba, accuses exiled activists of committing crimes against the country. It will not serve the purpose of even justice. Just was just brought to court because the government, I think, they wants to release just one that we have only one in it who was here today. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. A new Century report released Wednesday says nearly a billion U.S. dollars disappeared in a massive bank credit scam that had disturbing impacts on children and communities across South Sudan. Deborah Laprovat, who is Century's senior investigator, says a three-year investigation into what Century dubbed cash grab, how a billion-dollar credit scam robbed South Sudan of fuel, food, and medicine details. How massive credit lines provided by banks in Qatar and Kenya were turned into an opportunity to steal by corrupt leaders and their cronies. She says banking or financial institutions in East Africa can help in recovering South Sudan's stolen money. South Sudan has been plagued by corruption scandal after corruption scandal after corruption scandal. And between 2012 and 2015, the government of South Sudan borrowed $993 million to be handed out in letters of credit to traders so that goods could be purchased and brought in to the country, medicines, food, just essential goods. And what the century found out through three years of investigation is that the vast majority of that money walked out of the country without the product ever being delivered. And the money was spread among those people involved. Why are we hearing about this now? What should be done? The reason you're hearing about it now is because it actually took the century three years to do the investigation, right? Nothing about this investigation was made public in South Sudan in terms of the Auditor General of uh, South Sudan did a report on this and shared it with Parliament in 2015, but the report was never made public. The century was able to get a copy of that report. And then uh, the Century spent the last three years looking up uh, and trying to find out who the shareholders were on a, a thousand companies that were given contracts. And then what we found out also is that a great number of traders in South Sudan ran over to Kenya and Uganda and opened companies so that they appeared as the exporter on these loans and transactions. So it just it took years to find out who was behind all of these companies so that we would know who benefited. When I went through the reports, there are people who have been mentioned and uh, others, they just mentioned companies 
Was that by design? The report would be much longer if we mentioned everyone that is involved. So we looked at the key figures and what we found out is that a great number of these contracts were awarded to people that were within uh, President Kier's regime, including President Kier's family, uh, Cornelius Coriome's family, that former head of the central bank, people that had power and influence kind of hijacked the uh, letters of credit and uh, members of the military and then a great number of tra uh, foreign traders. Those were the main people that benefited from this scandal and where we can find no proof of delivery. And talking about the high profile people who are mentioned in the reports, uh, for instance, the families of uh, President Salva Kiir, the family of his uh, brother-in-law, and the family of the uh, former governor of the bank, Cornelius Corion. The money is gone and they are still in power. So when these reports come out, what is the intention? Well, don't forget, sometimes money doesn't go away. It just changes shape. So when the money leaves, it goes either into a bank account, into an investment account, or it becomes an apartment building or a, a vehicle or a villa. And what we do know is that some of the, uh, that the people that are involved in this own multiple residences. So the money isn't gone, it's just in another shape. And so one of the things that we would strongly recommend is that Kenya and Uganda and Dubai uh, work with law enforcement to try to identify these properties and seize them. I mean, basically, we would love to see that the, uh, these properties are seized, forfeited, and that the money is returned to South Sudan in such a way that it doesn't disappear again, but could do a great deal of good and do what it was supposed to do in the first place provide food and medicines. Uh, talk to me about some of the best practices done somewhere where corrupt leaders are held accountable and missing assets are returned for the people who are supposed to benefit from it. Well, one of the things that South Sudan is supposed to be doing right now to comply with the, uh, the peace deal is to uh, install an international tribunal to investigate corruption and war crimes. And so what we would recommend is that, uh, you know, Kenya has a new president. Let's let's cooperate and let's look at the properties that are being um, purchased by South Sudanese elites in your country. Same thing, Museveni. Let's look at all of the, uh, the illicit wealth that is coming out of South Sudan that is going into properties in Kenya and Uganda. Uh, the United States can help too. The majority of this money left South Sudan in U.S. dollars, which means the United States would have venue to investigate as well. And so we would hope that all of our uh, foreign partners who would love to see a better future for South Sudan work together to try to stop the illicit flows of money out of South Sudan. And quite honestly, the banks in Kenya and Uganda they have their own bank records. This was seven years ago. These records still exist. They should be filing suspicious activity reports and they should be working with investigators and prosecutors to see who profited, where the money is now, and take it back. That's Deborah LaProvert, a senior investigator at The Century and author of the latest Century Report. She spoke with me from Prague on Monday. In the second part of this interview, which airs Thursday, La Provat speaks about how to sanction some corrupt South Sudanese leaders. 
The United States Agency for International Development, USAID, has donated another 35 million U.S. dollars to the U.N. Children's Agency, UNICEF, to address malnutrition in South Sudan. UNICEF says the money will support some mothers across the country with ready-to-use healing food to treat children suffering from severe life-threatening form of malnutrition. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. That's one-and-a-half-year-old Angelo Wilson, who is crying along with other children, crying in a ward at Al-Shaba Children's Hospital in Juba, where they are being treated for malnutrition. Angelo Maiwan Madok is Wilson's father. His severely malnourished toddler is here for treatment. Madok says some weeks ago, he had no hope of leaving the hospital with his child alive. The child feeds through the nozzle gastric tube when they first came to the facility. He says Wilson could not even open his eyes and he stayed on oxygen for 19 days. Immediately when I came here, I was thinking that maybe I will not go back with my child or my child may not get his strength back again to normal and that's why I mentioned that without the doctors who are sitting around me here, my child would have not saved the life I have seen today. After spending the last 27 days at the facility, the father of three now has hoped that Wilson is recovering. Like Madok, other parents come to this facility with their children seeking treatment for malnutrition. Many look fragile and tired. Dr. Gawar Isaac Gell, a pediatrician at Al-Shaba Children's Hospital, is one of the health workers who receive malnutrition cases every day. He says the center recently has seen a raise in the number of malnourished children. The main problem that why children are admitted with acute malnutrition is acute food shortage. And that's the main issue that families are not able to provide enough nutritious feeds for their children. The other problem that we, we have seen is the um, uh, family uh, uh, problems because of the stress that the families are going through. Mothers are stressed, fathers are stressed, and also they have um, issues. We have the economies down, we have the floods, we have the instability. These three things are preventing families to get uh, to cultivate because you know that most, most of our families so they are not cultivating. Nurse Betty Achan works in the children's ward in Al-Shaba Hospital. She says many other malnourished children can't make it to the hospital. Now we have 24 children. The number's coming down. They are there in the community, but they cannot reach here because of transport. They are there. And if a mother struggles to bring the child, the times they bring at night, the child don't survive. We try, they bring at the terminal stage. Others bring diet as food to the hospital, others on the way. Ashan says the Children's Stabilization Center at Al-Shaba recorded a higher number of malnutrition cases between June and August compared to December. This year in May, we had 134 children. The number was very high. We're getting a family, almost two children are admitted at the same time which is very abnormal. That tells us there's a problem at the social level or in the family level or in the community. Then in June, we had 102. The number was coming a bit down, but still it is high. 
for nutrition. It is very high. Then July started coming down. This is when harvest started. The UN says South Sudan faces the highest level of malnutrition among children on record with 1.4 million children expected to suffer from acute malnutrition in 2022. That's a 30% increase in the number of children suffering from wasting compared to 2021. The USAID assistant will be channeled through UNICEF South Sudan to provide over 350,000 cattle of food to treat over 350,000 children across South Sudan in 2022 and 2023. Catherine Crawford, the USAID South Sudan Mission Director, says the U.S. government will continue to support the response to malnutrition and ensure the well-being of children throughout South Sudan. And addressing food insecurity and malnutrition in South Sudan remains critical. We are acutely aware of the importance of these kinds of supplies. Uh, We also recognize that in the long term, humanitarian assistance will not solve problems of conflict or displacement, but it does at this point remain vital in some areas, in some places, to keep civilians alive. Hamada Lusaka, UNICEF's country representative for South Sudan, says cartons of therapeutic food will be dispatched throughout the country to more than 1,300 nutrition centers where UNICEF and partners are screening children for malnutrition and providing therapeutic assistance to those in need. UNICEF commits to continue with this work and to make sure that no child is left behind. Any child who dies from Additional funding from USAID will benefit over 1 million fathers, mothers and caregivers of children under the age of 24 months through maternal, infant and young child nutrition counseling services, providing them with the knowledge and skills they need to prevent their children from becoming malnourished. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. Authorities in Unity State are calling on the government of South Sudan and humanitarian agencies to rescue thousands of people affected by floods in some villages in the area. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs describes the flooding in Unity State as worse. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayer reports from Juba. MP is Stephen Ball, who represents Unity State's Mayom County in the National Legislative Assembly, says his area has been overrun by floodwaters and thousands of people no longer have homes. The most area which is actually been affected by the current flooding uh, in the west part, in the east of the Mayom County, known as Bultu, it is totally been uh, been occupied by the water. All the agricultural fields were all submerged. And civilians were displaced. Uh, they are currently resettled in, in, in Mayom town and the, the area of the north part of Mayom, with Little Bit Island. Ball says most of the temporary shelters have been destroyed and people who are camping on an island are being threatened by waterborne diseases and snake bites. He says an estimated 2,000 households were displaced and many of those people are seeking safety in a BI administrative area. 
the lawmaker is calling on government and humanitarian agencies to intervene and help save the lives of thousands in Unity State. My message to the government is to urgently intervene into that uh, matter because civilian are real now is starving into the death due to the anger, the snake bites, and then malaria outbreaks and all these things. So the government have to intervene. Concerning the humanitarian agent, it is actually your concern that when there is something like this, the humanitarian agent should fall to intervene and rescue the life of the citizens across the country. Because the whole area is underwater. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, or UNOCHA, says the flooding and heavy rains have continued to impact negatively on people across the country, including Jongle, Lakes, Northern Bahar al-Ghazal, Western Bahar al-Ghazal, Unity, Upper Nile, Warab, and Western Equatorial States. Anita Hans is UNOCHA's deputy head of office. Hans says... Unity State is facing some of the worst flooding this year. In Unity State, floodwaters have risen above the level measured in 2021 by as much as 10 centimetres. Reports indicate that heavy rains and flooding have affected and destroyed crops, destroyed people's homes, schools, healthcare facilities, contaminated boreholes and have killed people. Han says UN OSHA doesn't have actual figures for how many people were killed in Unity State's floods. She says humanitarian agencies are responding, but insecurity and other issues are slowing down their efforts to intervene. The humanitarian response to people affected is ongoing based on the planning that was done. However, insecurity, violence against aid workers and access constraints continue to hamper the overall response for people impacted by floods. Han says two rapid needs assessments were conducted in Lair and Mayanit counties of Unity State and resource mobilization response for Lair County area floods is underway. Certain areas of Eastern Equatoria and Western Equatoria states that were not affected by the 2021 floods are now reported flooded, according to UNOCHA. Addressing the United Nations General Assembly in New York recently, South Sudan Vice President for Service Cluster, Hossein Abdelbagi Akol, attributed the country's rampant flooding in recent years to effects of climate change. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Coming up... Many of the companies that were receiving billion-dollar transfers into their accounts have been created just weeks earlier. That really should have generated a suspicious activity report. So I'd be very interested to know if the SARs were filed by the banks in Kenya and Uganda. Join us tomorrow for that interview with a former FBI investigator working on corrupt deals in South Sudan. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. 
tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one, two, zero, two, six, three, zero, eight, zero, one, one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. The South Sudan government has finally presented to court a group of activists and a politician detained by security operatives last year. Seven members of the Outlawed People's Coalition for Civil Action have been charged under the country's penal code of 2008 for a variety of crimes, including insulting the president and participating in a gathering with intent to promote public violence as well as breaching the peace. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wudu reports from Juba. South Sudanese human rights lawyer Kenya Sen Abdallah who hates the group advocates for human rights and democracy is decrying the government's decision to charge the activists and is skeptical that the legal process will bring about justice. It will not serve the purpose of delivering justice. Just was just brought to court because the government, I think, they wants to release just one. We have only one detainee who was uh, here detained. What they, they cannot release the person like that. I think they have to bring the uh, the person through court. Then the person will be given jail time by the court, then later on he can be pardoned by the president. Prosecutor Lajorqueth Jal charged the activist in absentia during Monday's court proceeding under several sections of South Sudan's 2008 penal court. The accused person did not respect the constitution that granted the freedom of speech and freedom of association and other rights with limitation and form an illegal political organization known as the People's Coalition for Civil Action. And they signed the declaration on July 30th, 2021 to achieve political goals and objectives to overthrow the government with unconstitutional means. The case was filed by the South Sudan Directorate of Public Prosecution of the Ministry of Justice and Constitutional Affairs. Jal says the case was presented in court after the Interior Ministry, through the Inspector General of Police, authorized their proceedings. The accused are Abraham Awalich, Rajab Mohandis, Wani Michael, Jame David Kolok, Manas Mathiang, David Macau, and a former Northern Ber El Ghazal State Governor Quel Aguer Quel. Quell was formally presented in court and charged for the first time on Monday after being arrested in July last year. The rest of the accused men are in exile and will be tried in absentia. Prosecutor Jal says the activists are also being charged with causing disaffection among the police force or defense forces, undermining the authority of the president, and participating in gathering with the intent to promote public violence as well as breaching the peace. The accused person had subverted a constitutional government that was established based on the signed revitalized peace agreement by setting up the People's Coalition for Civil Action with an aim of 
overthrowing the government by unconstitutional means and instead of follow, follow the constitutional means such as impeachment, change of policies, repeal of legislation. Jal says the accused also published or communicated false statements prejudicial to South Sudan with the intention of promoting public disorder and violence which may endanger public safety. He also argued in court that the activists have been participating in gatherings with the intention of promoting public violence which has been proven in interviews they did with the media outlets. We pray to the Honorable Court, the Prosecution Panel on behalf of the Republic of South Sudan, Minister of Justice, Director of Public Prosecutor, pray your Honorable Court to convict, punish, and sentence to the above-mentioned accused in accordance with the provision of the above charges of the Penal Court Act 2008. On July 29, 2021, the People's Coalition for Civil Action declared in a news conference it was set to mobilize South Sudanese within the country and in the diaspora to participate actively in challenging South Sudan's political status quo and court, make their voices heard to set direction for democratic development. Rajab Mohandis, one of the members of the coalition, told the reporters during that news conference that, quote, we invite all the citizens of South Sudan to come in their thousands to join the coalition that we have had enough of war, enough of corruption, enough of insecurity, enough of economic hardships, enough of public neglect and a leadership failure, end of quote. The Plantimas protest called for by the coalition was never held. For viewer news, Mwake Simon Wudu in Juba. From Juba, we move to Lilongwe, where hundreds of refugees and asylum seekers held protests Tuesday over delay for promised cash assistance to buy food. Protesters told VOA they have waited for almost four months for promised handouts and are struggling to feed their families. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. During their protest, the refugees marched to the UN offices inside the Zalega refugee camp in Lower District, where they bent tires to signify their concerns and anger. Muhammad Bashiri is among the protesters. He says we are complaining about the delay in receiving cash handouts. We used to buy food. We received our last handouts four months ago. He said lack of assistance has sometimes made his family and three children go days without food. The UN World Food Program is responsible for providing cash for food assistance to over 50,000 refugees in the Zalega refugee camp. But recently the organization said it lacks funds to meet the needs of all the refugees in February. WFP halted food rations to nearly 700 self-sustaining refugee families, citing funding limitations. Ken Emmanuel Lukajo is the Associate External Relations and Reporting Officer for the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, in Malawi. He told VOA Tuesday that the UNHCR is aware of the food shortage problem in Zalega and that efforts have been made 
to update the refugees on the situation. UNICEF worked closely with WP and then the camp management and also the refugee leaders and they always conduct meetings to inform the refugees about the challenges that is going on and update them on when when they they're able to get their cash assistance. Portanibu is country director for WFP in Malawi. He says the WFP last made a cash handout in August and that the delay is because of financial constraints the organization has faced in recent years. Since May 2019, we've been doing a reduced food assistance uh, ration between about 25 to 50% lower than the, the ideal ration. Now, we've faced risks of pipeline breaks for the food assistance on several occasions, and, and certainly this year we have encountered that. Tani Bull said the refugees will resume getting cash handouts on October 10. And we have now secured sufficient funding for the remaining months of the of the year. So for the remainder of 2022, we will be able to do uh, monthly distributions to the refugees. However, Tani Bull said more financial assistance is still needed to ensure the refugees get regular cash for food payments next year. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. For world news, go to voanews.com. If you miss this broadcast, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Silver X and WJ with their song, Dola Jadid. I'm your host, John Tanzan Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Bye.